0: This is Dr. Tom McGovern, co-host of Dr. Doctor. During a Lent when everything seems to be related to coronavirus, and when we ourselves have recorded 18 consecutive shows related to COVID, we think you deserve a break. Therefore, as we enter Holy Week, Chris, Andrew, and I offer you the second of our two episodes on The Shroud of Turin. The first aired on Saturday, March 7th, and may be found on the EWTN website and on various podcast apps. May God bless you during this holy season. Welcome to another episode of Dr. Doctor, the radio show and podcast featuring your physician host,
1: Dr. Tom McGovern, and Dr. Andrew Mullally, where we and our guest discuss relevant health-related topics from an authentically Catholic perspective.
0: Today our guest will be heard across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. And back for the second part of a two-part Lenten series on the short of Turin, we have Dr. Scott French, an emergency medicine physician who also works as a volunteer with Father Robert Spitzer's Magis Center.
1: And at the end of the last episode, we were talking about the medical aspects of the image of the man in the shroud. And since our show is focused on all things and really anything medical, we want to continue our discussion with Scott, especially as it relates to our Catholic faith during this time of Lent. Scott, thanks
0: for being back with us here on Dr. Doctor. One of the things that you see on the shroud, Scott, are all these little round paired marks. What's that about?
2: Yes, that's a great question. Those are the scourging marks. And it's uh, from a Roman uh, pilum, which is. You mean flagrum? Flagrum, sorry, flagrum. uh, Roman flagrum, which is a short uh, wooden stick, and then leather straps. And on the end, it depends on where they're from, but in the Roman times, it was usually a lead dumbbell, and that was (laughs) basically to bruise and cause more bleeding um, and just torture people more basically, people forget that the Roman crucifixion was a particularly gruesome way to die. And, um, and people were uh, given lots of scourging. And in fact, the Jewish practice was 40 scourges and in the shroud they've counted over a hundred. So which would be fatal because that's why the Jewish people uh, kept the scourging to 40 because you could survive forty, but no one could survive a hundred uh, scourges. So, so our Lord went through tremendous suffering, and then the crown of thorns. Also, a lot of blood loss from there. So, there's a tremendous amount of blood loss. So, so So, yes. so, so with, tell us about it, what the
0: scourging might have looked like, based on what you see
2: on the shroud. So it's yeah, it's fascinating. It, it, it's clearly he was vertical when he was scourged, and you can see that there were two different scourgers. different heights and they were scourging you know one was going from left to right the other was going right to left and okay Scott
0: I want to go back to something you said he was clearly vertical I've been unable to find that any of my research what is it that suggests that he was vertical
2: the uh, blood uh, the blood flow patterns when you uh when you know because again the image of the shroud is after he's in rigor mortis, correct? So correct. He's in rigor mortis. So his hands are together, his feet are together, and his legs are contracted up. So he's, so he's in rigor mortis. So if you computer generate and you now stretch his arms up, it explains, it explains the way the blood flow goes, okay. both from his wrists. And his feet. What would so, it take um,
0: for little lead dumbbells to cause the skin to bleed? Because at first you would just bruise, and there'd be no openings in the skin. So what makes the the blood come out?
2: Well, they, they have sometimes little sharp. You know, they're, they're irregular and they're, they're not perfectly smooth round balls. So mm-hmm. they had sharp. You know, so Good point. they were there. There's lacerations. So there's lacerations involved with that. And and in some places at the end of the leather tongs were pieces of bone so they clearly were lacerated and that was the idea was to lacerate it wasn't just to bruise was to to lacerate and cause more bleeding so
0: and the marks on the shroud from the uh, from the flag room are all due to blood they're not image marks uh, that are just on the top linen fiber is that correct
2: Correct, so as we discussed uh, last time, the image is above the blood marks because basically what happened is because it's a three d image and it's uh, it's it's photographic, which is not photographic it's sure. because it's evidence of the resurrection as he's ascending the body is, there's 3D imaging coming up all the way through as he's ascending, his blood, his body's becoming mechanically transparent. The shroud is basically following through his body as it's becoming pure light energy, and so that's why the blood is below the image on the shroud, because the upper part of the shroud now has left the, the bloody part. It's now, it's ascending into heaven.
1: So the blood so. saturates the cloth,
2: right? Correct. The blood is, yeah saturates the clock,
1: yeah. So as an emergency
0: room physician, you've seen people with chest trauma. What would this kind of trauma do to the chest of a person?
2: So um, what's interesting is, let's go back for a second. Remember in, in, in John's Gospel, he, he mentions that there is, um, <clears throat> that he sweat blood. And we know this is a rare medical condition, uh, uh, people under severe stress. And we also know that what happens when people have uh, a sweating of blood that it's basically like a large bruise over your entire body. So all these all these scourge marks, all the lance marks and the scourge marks, from Roman flagrum, all these cause further blood loss. And it's even more painful because his entire body as because of the sweating blood on the night before. Uh, he has his now he's oversensitive and so it just shows the the passion of Christ the intense sufferings he did for our uh, for our sins it's just incredible and that's what strikes you when you see the shroud in person I would encourage everybody if you can uh, to uh, and as you both mentioned you know go if you can because it's uh, seen is incredible it's just you can see you can see this cruise I mean again we're physicians. I see I see severely traumatized people. It was pretty clear to me when I saw the image. It's like, oh, yeah, this is the image of a crucified man. How did this get on linen cloth? Well, <laughs> so, and you know, yeah.
1: one of the things, Scott, I think maybe for some of our listeners who have heard all the kind of the skepticism and the other thoughts about the shroud maybe being a forgery, what? how do these—I mean, one of the things we always look for is data, especially as physicians— and how to to make it all fit together. We talked about Occam's razor in the last show. How how do the marks fit examples of flagra found in the catacombs and, and elsewhere as kind of a, a reference point?
2: Yes, and so they yeah, so exactly. You can actually overlay and some of the one of the people that examined the Shroud of Turin, a photograph of it in the nineteen seventy eight STRP program was the LA County Examiner. And his words, uh, almost verbatim, were, "Yes, this is this is a crucified man, <laughs> and who was severely beaten." Uh, there's other medical evidence of all of this. You know, his nose is broken. His right eye is swollen. He has lacerations on his knee. You know, remember he fell twice uh, uh, during the Three passion. Times. Three so, times is I what we remember. Times, yeah. It actually doesn't say in the
0: Gospel, but we remember that in right. the um, Stations. Stations of the Cross, yes.
2: Stations of the Cross, yeah, three times in the Stations of the Cross. So th- th- that's confirmed. But the swelling of the eyes, and and then in, in those days, too, they would put coins over the eyes uh, to keep them closed. And we again, we find on high-definition photography that was done in 1978— they find that there are Roman leptons, believe it or not, minted by Pontius Pilate, of which only like six in the world exist today, um, on his eyes. There's images. Again, there are images on his eyes. That would be pretty robust
1: work for a forgery, right? Pretty
2: hard to do. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now,
1: you know, I
0: read about a conference that was held in St. Louis, I think around 2014, Uh, maybe it was 2012, on the Shroud. And um, I actually communicated with a researcher in in Italy, a woman, who says that the Vatican has in their um, archives uh, samples of Roman flagra found in the catacombs. And these were all made of uh, bronze, but they all have these little lead balls. And she had pictures that she published, if you look online. It was uh, was fascinating. They were just, you know, in, in pairs at the end of these little lines. And it was amazing. They... They look like they would just fit right onto the Shroud of Turin.
2: Yeah, and if you go to Jerusalem, there's the, there's a museum there that has examples of it as well. So yeah, there's there's definitely examples. Yeah, of it's the playground. The yeah. yeah,
0: it's connected yeah. to the pilgrimage house uh, of Notre Dame, right across the street from the walls of the old right, city. Right,
2: right. Yeah, pl- and they actually have they actually have a wonderful three D. Because again, remember this is a three D image. You can now you can create a three D image. And they have created they have created a life cast of Jesus, which again looks like what we see. And I know we're going to get into the image, and I think in the next uh, the image of Christ um, and the history, which are related. That's how we date it. Uh, later, but we'll, so we'll go into that later. But yes, you can you can see all the details there. Now, what again, do you
0: see on the shroud? Speaking of details of the crowning with thorns, because on the shroud you can't see the top of the head because that's where the shroud wrapped around. But what can we see on the front and back of the scalp?
2: So we see the blood stains, and then. Um, uh, I think it's probably, at this point, we should talk about the sidarium, uh, yes. the face cloth. Yeah, what was Jesus. that
0: napkin that John and Peter said they saw? Yes.
2: So it's mentioned there, and again, that's what they would do. And again, I think people have to understand, because we always think of things in our 21st century terms. Yes. But we got to remember, in, in the Jewish times, in the times of the first century, he underwent, uh, Jesus underwent a, you know, again, Using nails rather than leather tongs was unusual. They, they definitely, they wanted to preserve their nails. So very rarely did they wear their crucifixions by nailing. Uh, number two, uh, they would wash the body after they pulled them off the cross. But because they were in a hurry because of the Passover, they did not wash the body.
1: And Mm. so that's
2: why we have all these blood and images and everything. And so what happened is they put a face cloth on because, again, in those days they were trying to be, you know, trying to, you know, that's why they put coins over the eyes and they put the face cloth over the face so that people wouldn't have to see the blood and gore Hmm. once they're off the cross. Obviously during Hmm. the cross, they uh, they were trying to show that. So the face cloth, the, uh, the face cloth, is um, definitively dated back to 500 AD, and also does, um, has uh, uh, blood stains on it. And when you computer, you take an image of it, and you overlay it on the Shroud of Turin where the blood stains are, they exactly match.
0: Where is the exactly. Sudarium right now? It's
2: in Orvieto. It's in Spain.
0: Spain. So our listeners might be thinking 500 a.d that's a long time from the time of christ
2: right it is a long time We, we again have to remember we have to understand history so the history is that uh as we all know during for the first 300 years of christianity christians were being persecuted so people were hiding all these artifacts in fact the Shroud of Turin was lost. was not discovered itself until 525, and um, and it was it was discovered in Odessa, which was Greece in those times, uh, and now is in Turkey. It was discovered in 525 in a wall. So obviously, they had hid it for you know hundreds of years, and then then rediscovered. And we'll get into that later as we get through the history and images, but. But they're all tied together. So those blood stains match. And I'll just, I'll just throw in this as, as an additional thing. People, uh, everyone's heard of the Divine Mercy, oh, St. Yes. Faustina, yes. who had visions of Jesus Christ. Well, people know that uh, in 1933, she... It was over a year. She started in 32. In 33, it was finally uh, done. A portrait of Jesus, because Jesus kept coming to her, and he yes. commissioned, told her to, to do it. Well, actually, they hired a gentleman who was a Freemason, believe it or not. And at one point, uh, she had the priest be a, a model. She kept having him redo the images, particularly the way the hand was and the space and all that. She had never seen the Shroud of Turin. She kept he saying, was, "That's um, not right. That's not right. We got to redo yeah, it." Yeah, not that's right. That's not. Right. And he was getting upset. Actually, finally finished in 1933. <laughs> he was getting pretty upset. And, Don't get us done uh, upset. Finally, in 1933, it was finished. So it was lost again. You with the with the with the Nazis and then the communists. Uh, it was lost for a while. When it was rediscovered. They now they just released a movie last year on this, and uh, and uh, basically. If you do a computer overlay of the image she had, which again she never saw the Shroud of Turin, it's exactly matches the Shroud of Turin. Wow, the divine mercy compelling. That, she, <laughs> that she that she that she painted. So through time and space, back to Occam's razor. So how do you explain that? You know, through time and space. All these images are coming in congruence. And we're it's, going to take a break there.
0: We're going to come back with more history. But first, before we end the first segment, we're going to ask our medical trivia question of the day. So, listeners, this one is another maybe fairly inter- easy one. On the Shroud of Turin, there's a large blood stain on the right side of the chest. The blood likely came from the heart, but it had to travel through the space between the lungs and the chest wall to reach the skin's surface. What do we call this space between the lungs and chest wall? It actually comes from a Greek word meaning side or flank. And the space is important because when fluid fills this area, breathing becomes significantly compromised. You'll have to wait till the end of the show for the answer. We'll be back with more of Dr. Scott French and the Shroud of Turin here on Dr. Doctor after the break.
1: And we're back with Dr. Doctor talking to Dr. Scott French about the Shroud of Turin and Scott, you know, through the last episode in this one, we've hinted at the carbon-14 dating, which appeared to ref- refute the authenticity of the Shroud. However, there's, there's more to that story, and I wondered if you could enlighten our listeners as to why we, we think we have a better explanation about what's going on.
2: Yeah, thanks. I, I appreciate that. So, as we mentioned before, there was a protocol to get, it, to get the carbon-14 data from six different sites. Unfortunately, it was taken from one site that was clearly damaged in the fire and on the outer fringes. And as we alluded earlier, um, a lot of people just couldn't put it together because there was all this evidence, back to Auckland, all this evidence that it was really authentic. How could it date to the Middle Ages? And what were the year um,
0: ranges given by the carbon-14 dating? What was the range of dates?
2: Oh, it was from the 1300s to the 1500s, okay. basically. Okay, thanks. Yeah. And uh, and again, we know with carbon-14, because it was exposed in three different fires, the last one after that time period, but the most important one in 1532, it was going to have carbon-14 from that era. But uh, um, um, subsequently, just, just to let people know, there's been four other dating techniques, a vanillin test, a mm-hmm. mechanical stress test, and they all date it back earlier, but we'll get into that hmm. later. Um, but anyway, what happened is people just couldn't understand it. And so, uh, like I said earlier, a nurse was looking intensely studying the, the herringbone pattern. She noticed a quite quite a different change. And so so she she called up the original stirp. People and said, Do you guys have a sample from 1978? And so she compared it to, and a chemist got involved later on. They compared it to, a, uh, to the 1988 sample. And guess what? It they wasn't found the same. Cotton fibers. They found cotton fibers in the sample area from 1988 that was out of the protocol, uh, different from what the STRIP program had set. And so, again, as we said earlier, there was no cotton in, in the first century uh, used, and, and it was only used later. So, so their sample was a site that had been repaired, and there also turned out to be when they did their chemical analysis, turned out that there was gum dimortis. There was, there was, so it, it, it definitely showed that they sampled an area, one area, and they were supposed to sample six different areas, one area, that had been repaired so due to the fire. S-
1: skeptics would look at that and say, "Oh, the whole thing was cotton. The whole thing was dyed." But in reality, we already have another study that refuted that.
2: Right, and and the, and the sample from 1978 does not have cotton in it.
1: And that was they from
0: an image area, not from an edge.
2: Correct. It was from an image area, and it only has flax. So mm-hmm. so so clearly they they got a sample from a repair area. The image itself is on flax. It's not on cotton. So
0: now, of course, we would expect that there's some carbon-14 dating now from an image area, right?
2: Yes, right, right.
0: But it hasn't happened, has
2: it? It hasn't happened and probably won't. And so we have to come to a different way to date the the shroud. We now know that the carbon-14 is suspect because it it's got cotton in it, and so that can't be. That's not the shroud image. It's made out of flax, so right. we can't we can't go with that date. I I guess so, one
1: one question before we move on. You you suggest that it probably wouldn't be repeated. Why is that? What's the hold up
2: there? Well, again, it it you know it's now two thousand years old, and they just they're just they're trying to be very careful about you know they, they don't want doing to further stuff. Yeah, gotcha. they don't want to yeah, damage be, it. Because, yeah, they, they really like don't want to damage it, and you have to open. You you have to open up. It's you know, it's airtight. Uh, uh, What's it sealed, sealed in right the... now?
0: Is it in like argon and not in oxygen? I, I
2: think it. I think it is argon. I uh, I looked at that, and it, it is definitely sealed and special. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so they don't really want to do that. I mean, it's you know, it's it's it was put on display for hundreds of years. Yes. <laughs> so, so yeah, so it's. Um, so I doubt they're going to do that again. Um, um, but yes, if they, if you know, there's not been a carbon-14 data of the pure flax linen image. Yeah. So we
0: have a good scientific explanation of why the 1988 dating is not trustworthy. Then, what is the evidence that can take this cloth all the way back to Jerusalem in 33 A.D.?
2: Yes. So. There's two pieces of evidence. One, it's kind of like a detective story. So I know a lot of our listeners like CSI and all that this is actually right out of C. This is actually right out of CSI. Yes. Nice. So it turns out a forensic uh, botanist who worked for uh, Interpol um, <laughs> from Belgium, he was the person that would look at pollens and, you know, the person would say, Hey, I was, I was never in France, and yet he'd find in their shoes, you know, pollen from plants that only grow in, in, in France. Wow. <laughs> so that's they, so great! So, that's pretty, so, pretty cool. So this guy, this guy actually in 1978 vacuumed. Yes, vacuumed the, the, shroud. the shroud of Turin. Max Fry, got, yes. Uh, I must. He must have been paid a really good fee to vacuum. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, so so he vacuumed the shroud of Turin and got all these pollen ectoskeletons and and so he started going through all these pollen ectoskeletons and he found some from france he found some from italy he found some from and we'll get into that later some from what's now turkey but was greece in those days Edessa, constantinople where it was known to be and then he found some pollen samples interestingly near the crown of thorns area in the head he could not identify. So this guy is oh. a smart man. He, he goes down to Jerusalem, and uh, you can't make this stuff up, uh, this, that the pollen skeletons match the crown of thorns plant that was used. Wow. And only grows near Jerusalem. Man, that, that so, seems com- again, compelling. <laughs> to Occam's razor, yes. Someone would have to have know to go to Jerusalem, get those pollen samples, sprinkle them on the shroud, and uh, and know that thousands of years hundreds of years or thousands of years later someone would vacuum them and, and and find the detail. And again, remember this he was he was he was crucified in the spring and actually on the shroud you can't see him now, but there actually were there were flowers uh, because again, they, you know, he's buried and they, you know, obviously had flowers and they put in there uh, on his burial cloth. So, so yeah. So, so that piece of evidence uh, kind of helps the second piece of evidence, which to kind of put the final nail in the coffin is the imagery. So in up until 525, 525, you had these whimsical drawings of Jesus, you know, maybe looking like a Roman boy, no beard, right? no, also on the shroud, there's a phylactery. You can't see it very well, but there's a phylactery with the Jewish rabbi would wear his long hair is like what a rabbi would parted the beard and, the, and the mustache, all like what a Jewish rabbi would, would dress as uh, they, they had him looking more like a Roman person. And, uh, but in 525, they found in the wall of Edessa, uh, which is not that far from uh, uh, Jerusalem. Edessa, uh, again, remember for, you know, for the first 300 years, uh, they had to hide everything. And, um, and so, uh, so they, they, they find this, and, and it was called various things. It was called the portrait of Jesus. It was called the, the image of Jesus. And, and you started seeing coins and frescoes that, that looked like today's Shroud of Turin, the bearded man. And, and and in fact, it got so famous that the emperor in Constantinople in 983 sent an army down to Odessa, Greece, and stole the Shroud from, from, from oh, Odessa. Oh, man. And it was in Constantinople from then in 1204. And in fact, they would do they would do these presentations to the uh, people there. And if you go into the Hagia Sophia, and I had, was blessed enough to go see that, you see the image that's on the shroud. Um, that's that, it, the Justinian's, his coins. But it was folded
0: up, right? It was folded in eight, so you just it saw was the fold, face. They had
2: this comp- yes, they had this complicated folding thing, and they would <coughs> raise it up on this mechanical thing, and it would be, the. It, it, here's Jesus, and people, that, <laughs> that's what they saw and, um, and uh, so it's the coins, the icons, the, they all have what we now see as, you know, in all and all now the crucifixes and images of Christ. That's, it was from the Shroud of Turin. It just wasn't called the Shroud of Turin that way because it hadn't made it to Turin. Turin, right. And then. <laughs> Man. And, and so that's, so and
1: there and were no beards on artistic depictions of Christ before prior the 500. to 525. Right? Wow. Yeah, and, yeah, prior and then afterwards there were. I mean, that, and then that's compelling. There were.
2: Very compelling. And, and, and when you match the computer imaging, you know, what, what the Shroud of look and what the painters did, they clearly had, were using the Shroud as their basis for painting images. So it's, it, it matches the nose, the way the nose was, and the eyes, and, you know, the Jewish features, and it just, it all matches. And, um, and uh, so then in 1204, uh, uh, again, you have to know your history, is that there was the Fourth Crusade and for a variety of reasons, the Crusaders ended up sacking Constantinople. Oh, and, that was a mess. And, yes, yeah, was what, what what a tragedy. And that, that was partly what happened with the you know with the break off of the Orthodox. Mm-hmm. But that happened you know, 150 years ago, but that kind of cemented it. But anyway, uh, what a tragedy. But anyway, the Shroud of Turin disappears, and uh, and then uh, and then shows up in. France, and then also the Knights Templar, who were suspected of being the ones that did this, uh, uh, they also had an armory in England. And, and, and the legend was that in their armory in England, they worshipped a bearded man. And just, oh, I think it's only been like 10 years ago, they found this image. It was behind a wall, it was underneath, you know, it was really hidden. It's the Shroud of Turin image. <laughs> So clearly wow. the Knights Templar, the ones that found, the ones that stole the the, shr- the shroud, took it to uh, France, and that's how it ended up in uh, Turin is because it was taken from Constantinople. So started started off in Jerusalem, went to Odessa, Turkey, and so uh, the Pollen Trail follows that whole course. So
0: it, it, um, I just cannot conceive that anybody could have forge this especially since no one can even make the image part of it even today
2: can they that's right we <clears throat> no one can this this is there's there's no 3d image like the shroud anywhere in the world we cannot create this um, and uh, we're gonna get into what the image how the image was created in our, in our next segment um, so, so even uh,
1: even just the way the image is on the fibers, has not been seen elsewhere, cannot be recreated, and and you've kind of uh, hinted at this is, you know, energy released at the time of the resurrection that created this image. Correct.
0: Well then, let's take a break right here, and we'll get back into all that juicy material and how the image likely came to be after the break on Dr. Doctor. And we're back with the answers to some of those juicy questions about how the image was formed on the shroud. So. Scott French, how do you believe the image was formed on the Shroud of Turin? And why do you believe it?
2: Well, as I said earlier, uh, we have some examples that are close to it, but not quite. Um, And let me explain. So, so, um, as we recall, uh, when the atomic bombs were dropped in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, people were vaporized and uh, and yet their shadows formed an image on the wall yes and, yes I remember that and and so the shroud of Turin is like that the other thing that we now have is MRIs the shroud of Turin is very similar to an MRI image in that it's a nuclear image obviously nuclear uh, Nobody's hurt in that image, yes. but it, but but it basically is a nuclear form image, and in this case, the Shroud of Turin, as we said earlier, is estimated to take uh, six at least six billion watts, six to fourteen billion. And, watts and what's that energy. based on?
0: How how yeah. do we know that? Where does that come from? That number. That comes from a
2: variety of scientists, uh, physicists, scientists. Part of them were part of the shroud study, and then part later. A lot of work was done in 2005 on this very this okay. very issue, and they found that it would take approximately 14,000 uh, pure laser, exomer, uh, laser, pure laser light energy to form the shroud again over six to, six to 14 billion watts of energy over 140 billionth of a second or otherwise again it would vaporize the shroud just like what happens in Nagasaki because in the shroud years, was
1: so. preserved but the image was there's a depth to it correct
2: that's right okay. and that's what it would take and so and it's again this mechanically transparent as as Jesus is as his body is turning into pure into uh, pure light energy it's recording information and it's falling through his body and so the back part of the shroud does not have that, the the depth image like the front part does. So, that's you know, that's you see, interesting.
1: I, I, yes. A reflection a priest gave me once was that we can learn about the resurrected body by looking at the gospels of after Jesus rose. You know, this this might be able to tell us something about what a resurrection, or at least the resurrection, looked like. Looking forward to to the resurrection of the bodies in the future.
2: Well, and, and, and you, you bring up a great point in that um, we have medical evidence of the soul and people who have near-death experiences, they have, they're able to float through walls and they, they, even though they're brain dead, because their brain's not working their hearts out, they have visions. These are people blind at birth. that have visions of, of, of so you're able to see. Right? So it's just like what the gospel accounts are. So. Yeah, that's why this is so important because this shows that there are supernatural or what we would call trans physical effects. In our current culture, we think that only thing it's only the material world. There's plenty of evidence that there's things beyond the material world. So this means energy
0: been, was coming through the body, through the shroud, through just the front on, side on of every, the shroud.
1: Right.
2: Here, here's a In, point here's right. a point that people don't get about the image of the shroud. It's it, it, it's remember, the shroud is a linen cloth put on top of it, but but it's a perfect image. So, you know, when you put a towel over your face, does it cover everything? No, it gets your nose, it might get right. your ears. This, every point of his body is, co- is, is imaged on this. So what that means is every point of his body was emanating this energy. So the energy came from the body, not from heaven. It came from Jesus.
0: From within.
2: That's what's... That's what proved, That's how it proves it, because it, because from within every every centimeter body it's a perfect image. Every scourge mark, every every part where the where the Pilum was the, the, the Roman lance, where the flaileroma, every everywhere that. Was okay, touched, here's a crazy question like
0: I just thought of, and I don't know if anyone has ever considered this, but so just take a stab at it. Okay, I've been to Bethany, to the place where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Would Lazarus's shroud have had the same type of image on it? Mm.
2: Well, no, because again, Lazarus is being resurrected. Uh, Jesus is being resurrected. Lazarus was just like with the girl. There's, you know, there's several right. miracles where he three he, they were they so he, they weren't resurrected. So he he's the only one that he had to do the resurrection. He was acting, so, so there no. would
0: have been no energy coming yeah. from their bodies. So, so, okay.
2: So what he's doing, what he's doing, it's kind of like, it's a great question, because he's basically doing what we know about the New Testament over the Old Testament. He's showing that I can resurrect physical bodies. Yes. That's what he's doing with the, with the miracle Lazarus and the girl. And that's what he's doing with Lazarus and the girl. But now he's going he's gonna to open the gates of heaven by his resurrection. And that's why, that's why the first century, first and second century Christians went off to martyrdom. You know, no fear of death. That's also what I see in the ER. People are scared to death because there's no life after death. Well, guess what? There, there is. is. This is this is the proof of it. That's why the early Catholics understood this: is that there is life after death, and it is just like, just like Saint Paul says, we are the biggest fools in the world if if Christ if, is not if if risen, the from the dead. isn't true. Yep, First and, Corinthians fifteen. First Corinthians fifteen. That's where it's first Corinthians fifteen. The whole chapter. You read first. We are we. That is why it's so important. And guess what? Paul saw Jesus. So 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 that is that that is why the shroud of Turn. Why is the shroud of turning? Because he knew we were going to be in this scientific age, and we'd have doubt. And we now have so much evidence. But again, we have free will. He's not going to, you know, give us every bit of evidence and answer every question. But again, Oakham's razor, look at the probability, putting all this together, what's the better explanation? There was a supernatural event, there was a transphysical event, there was an event that we can't duplicate today with modern technology. You'd, you'd and, you'd really you would really have to
1: jump stuff. through a lot of mental hoops to talk yourself yeah. into this being a forgery.
2: That's right.
0: It's, it's easier to believe it is Jesus' burial cloth than anything else.
2: That's right. What's the better explanation? How can, how can you put all these things together and come up with a better explanation? Something you how teased
0: in the last episode was linking to Eucharistic miracles. And one thing we kind of left unanswered was the study done on the Eucharistic miracle in Lanciano. So, as you said, there were no microscopes around when this happened in the 8th century. What have they discovered about what the host became?
2: Yes. So that is, that's again where this pattern of linking the uh, Eucharistic miracles to uh, the Shroud of Turin. So, for example, in, in Lanciano, so the, the, the really important ones are Lanciano, and then the next important one is in 1996 in Buenos Aires. And then in 2008, in Sokolva, Poland, in 2012, in uh, Tixla, Mexico. So in all of these miracles, and there's other Eucharistic miracles, but we don't have the evidence and we don't have the modern evidence. In all of these miracles, the blood, if there is blood, is always type AB. And remember, we said that was that's what's in the Shroud of Turin. And what's really amazing is in... In Sokolva, Poland, that was taken to a medical school where they, they, they did the uh, uh, analysis and, and the host turned into tissue, just like in the Lanciano, yes. and that tissue is heart tissue with white cells in the ventricle, which is where we are set in the ventricle wall, which as we said, don't occur unless the heart's under stress and those cells do not uh, last more than a few hours. And in fact, the one from Buenos Aires, it's a, it was sent to a famous New York pathologist, Dr. Zagibi in uh, New York and uh, Columbia University. He analyzed both that and the one uh, in uh, in Texas, Mexico. And when he had examined the one in uh, uh, from Buenos Aires, they didn't tell him what the source. And he said to the people, and it's it's, it's all documented. He he was a, a world-famous pathologist, cardiologist, and microscopist. And he said to the people, where did you get this beating, living heart? He said, the, the tissue you brought to me was alive when you brought it to me.
0: What? Wow. So that, yes. And, and what I read yeah. when I was in Lanciano is that the tissue is even more specifically from the atrial ventricular node, the pacemaker cells of the heart that make it beat, which I, I think is, if that's true, that's even more remarkable as an image for Christ.
1: I, I, I'm almost wondering, too, if, if anyone has tried to take DNA from the Eucharistic miracles and correlate it to the DNA found on the shroud. Scott?
2: They have, they have not been able to do that. However, they have taken DNA from the Eucharistic Miracles. And here's what's interesting about the Eucharistic Miracle DNA is, again, remember it's in the white cells, not in the red cells for our audience, yes. is that, is that um, uh, it's male DNA, but they can't profile it. And if you think about it, it's because... <laughs>
1: That's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that funny?
2: They yeah. cannot profile it. But no, they've not been able. And the problem with the shroud, it's been touched by so many people. Sure. It's, got contamin, it's got contamination of DNA. So it's sure. really difficult. Um, to, so, and I, don't think, I don't think we're going to be able to do that. But it's funny how the, uh, the, uh, they can't profile it. And when the one in Poland, which is really cool, the, the, uh, the, the Eucharist is turning into tissue and blood. And they can see where it's actually the host itself it's like the host is connected to the tissue again proving transubstantiation is real that's really is. god has given us evidence this stuff is real He's given us visual medical evidence that it's real
1: man what it's, a what a blessing you know so <laughs> what
0: do you think is the appropriate response of a catholic to the shroud of turin
2: well uh, number one it, it shows uh three things that are just incredible that number one, God loves us. Clearly God loves us because not only did he give us his only son, his son uh, died a horrible, horrible death. And when you see the shroud of turn, you just, you just, uh, oh my God, you can't believe it. I mean, this man was Horribly crucified. I've seen lots of, cru- seen lots of b- beaten and battered. This this man went through, you know. Jesus went through incredible torture. That's that every pathologist has looked at. Every forensic pathologist, they, everyone agrees. There's no question about it. Um, and then and then and then he left. He loves us so much that he not only did the passion. But he knew we were going to be in this skeptical age where we think we can figure everything out, and there's no, there's no forces that we can't control, and there, is no, there, there aren't anything beyond material world. And here he is showing, well, that's not quite true. <laughs> so, so he's showing us that's why the Shroud of Turn exists. That's why it's here. He left us evidence. And, you know, when you read in the Bible in John, it was John 29 about that doubting Thomas, he left us evidence. That's how much he loves us. That's why it's here. And so we just need to get the word out. And that's what I'm passionate about doing is getting the word out. And, it, and I will tell you, everywhere I go, people are like, wow, why had not we heard this before? It's just, it's, you know, it's, it's incredible. Scott, and in people, your home or in
0: your it. office, do you have an image of the shroud anywhere?
2: Oh, yeah, I have several different images of the Shroud, and I have images of the Eucharistic Miracles because they're related. They're all connected. And I also have the image of the Divine Mercy. So do
0: do your kids think you're crazy for having those images up?
2: (laughs) 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 Well, for a variety of reasons, I think I'm crazy. (laughs) And and well-founded, actually.
1: (laughs) That's incredible.
0: Are there any miraculous healings associated with the Shroud of Turin?
2: There's some legends about that. Uh, I think another program we should do at some point is on the, the, the uh, miraculous healings that we do know about from Lourdes. And actually, there's still a living uh, miracle that Padre Pio performed. So we should talk about those. Uh, because, again, it just shows that, that, in our, that in our current world keeps telling us this stuff is, you know, we might believe in magic, but we don't believe in god right it, it, yeah. there are actually, yeah, <laughs> that's a good, right? I mean, that's right, a good, good point out there but, there but there's no god um so um uh we should talk about those because there's some incredible medical evidence of these um, of, of miracles that have been validated by several by physicians a couple atheistic physicians have been converted from a couple of the lord's miracles yes and then the padre pio on that that woman is uh Gemma is her name. She uh, she's still alive. She she's uh, she was born without pupils, oh. and uh, Padre Pio. Uh, she she's clinically blind, uh, but she can see.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. So it, there's
2: there's living miracle. I mean, this stuff is just. <laughs> there there there. There's more than materialism. Well, and, and actually, <laughs> for more.
0: for any modern canonization and beatification cause, there has to be a miracle, and they're almost always medical miracles. So they have to be authenticated by physicians, right. most of whom are not necessarily believers.
2: That's exactly right, and and the Catholic Church tries its best to disprove everything. That's you know they yes, the they, devil's they, advocate. They <laughs> That's right. Exactly, it's the only way to do it. Yes, they have to because um, so it's yeah, it's it's. It's fascinating. It shows that there is hope. There is something after this life. There is something. That's why the early Christians went off to martyrdom. That's why, you know, we know there is something, and and that's what our that's what our society is suffering from. Back to the suicide rate and all that. There's, you know, you're just you're just meant to be a you know a great consumer and and be entertained. <laughs> there, no, you're you're more than that. Every person Scott, has dignity.
0: there's one other image that is very famous to Catholics. You know, God left us an image of himself in the Shroud, but I believe he also left us an image of his mother also. Do you, are you familiar with any yeah. of the studies of the Tilma of Our Lady of Guadalupe?
1: Mm.
2: Yeah, we, we can do that as a, a second segment. But yes, there's, there's uh, an incredible miracle with the Hill Purkinje effect of the eyes, yes. as well as the image itself. But the image is very similar to the Shroud of term. but what's really nice about the Our Lady of Guadalupe is that the image itself is made on agave cactus fibers. Right. This lasts ten years.
0: Exactly. Ten. Last years.
2: ten years.
0: <laughs> and and that's that and it's <laughs> almost 500 years old. What was it, 1532 or something? Yeah. It, yeah.
2: Well, it, that's how God works. So. so Wait, that's the same you... year
0: as the fire of the shrub. uh
2: 1531 I think it's yeah it's okay. close. close but it, but it's what it's really close to is Martin Luther um, they estimate about a million Catholics left the the church oh. uh, due to Martin Luther in 15 uh, 1521 1525 in that area and in 1530 uh, or 31 when the, the Guadalupe, uh Guarleric Guadalupe more than 8 million uh, Native uh, Americans uh, Converted to Catholicism So that's how oh, God wow. works That's why you, got, you gotta look at the pattern So yeah, we should definitely spend some time There's lots, they're very similar The image itself and then The eye is just incredible yes, that is. It, We, yeah, we it won't is tell incredible. people
0: that They'll have to come back later what,
2: Yeah, 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 we if, gotta give them a teaser
0: Last question If people want to learn more about the Shroud Where would you recommend they go?
2: So go to two wonderful resources that are both totally free. So uh, the Magis Center is the uh, is the first site that Father Spitzer started, and then the second site is a Credible Catholic, and we're now in 120 dioceses. We're, we're in all the dioceses in California. We're, we're actually all throughout uh, Ireland because, again, people are trying to get to the truth. We have uh, what we call the seven essentials. So the first, uh, first program is about uh, evidence of the big bang as uh, real, which is again, from a Catholic priest, George Lemaitre, who yes. worked with uh, Albert Einstein, Einstein. That, that this shows that, that there is a creator to the universe. All the constants had to be set from the time of the moment of the big bang. Um, and then evidence of the soul, we already talked about that with near-death experiences. And then the Shroud of Turin, that there's many others in there. There's, you know, what's true happiness uh, it, it, they're free, downloadable, and they're it's exploding everywhere. Uh, I'm doing programs everywhere where are just, it, because, again, people are hungry for the truth. Dr. Scott French, eaters.
0: thank you so much for sharing some of that truth with our listeners. We'll be blessed during this Lenten season. We hope to have you back here on Dr. Doctor.
1: And we're back with Dr. Doctor and the answer to the medical trivia question.
0: Yes, so I mentioned about the large blood stain on the right side of the chest of the shroud. And that the blood probably came from the heart, but to get out to the surface of the skin, it had to travel through the heart to the skin, and it had to pass this space that usually has very little in it. And the spaces between the lungs. And the chest wall, really the inside of the ribs, what is that space called that comes from the Greek word meaning side or flank?
1: That's right. We learn about it a lot in medical school called the pleural space. And really, it's a potential space where the lungs can kind of move against the chest wall without friction, but it can fill up with fluid.
0: Right. And it's plural, like the opposite of singular, but there's an extra E in it. So it's pleu. R A L, And so sometimes we talk about people having a plural effusion. And that's often after chest trauma, like the scourging, it's very likely Jesus had a plural effusion where there was fluid that built up in this space. And it's probably what John saw when he talks about blood and water flowing from the side of Christ, the blood from the heart, the, the water or clearish liquid was from this plural effusion.
1: It's amazing to kind of meditate on on what we know as physicians and what we hear in the Gospels, and it really does all come together very well.
0: Yeah, I love having an image of the shroud available to look at the face of Christ, especially the photographic negative image of the shroud, which looks like a positive with with 3D features. I mean, it looks like a face, and most likely is the face
1: of Christ himself. And, And it's much more photographic, for, the, for those of you who are not familiar with it, then artistic. So many pictures of Christ look like a painting. This looks like a picture. And oh, it's, it's incredible.
0: It is amazing. And when you see it, you'll see how it fits a number of the older icons, like from, you know, between 500 and 1,000 A.D. Uh, the Christ Pantocrator icon, oh, my goodness, it looks just like that. Uh, so this image must have been well-known in history.
1: Well, and that's what we've got from Dr. Scott French. So we hope that everyone learned something about the Shroud. And if you are not familiar, please check it out.
0: Yes. So thanks for listening to another episode of Dr. Doctor. We are the official radio program and podcast of the Catholic Medical Association. And we're brought to you from the studios of Redeemer Radio on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Please share the good news of Dr. Doctor with a friend. Invite them to listen in on their favorite podcast app or at RedeemerRadio.com forward slash doctor. And be sure to rate and review our show to help
1: new listeners find us. And please send us your questions or tell us something you heard or how you uh, had your life changed really by, by listening to Dr. Doctor. And be sure to tune in next week for your appointment with Dr. Doctor. This is Dr. Tom McGovern. And Dr. Andrew Mullally signing off until your next dose of Dr. Doctor.
2: Dr. Doctor is the official radio program of the Catholic Medical Association, whose members are dedicated to upholding the principles of the Catholic faith in the science and practice of medicine. The views expressed on Dr. Doctor do not necessarily represent those of your co-hosts or the Catholic Medical Association. Find our past episodes and keep up with the latest from Dr. Doctor by subscribing in your favorite podcast app and following us on Facebook. Get links to follow and subscribe or submit a question for our doctors by texting the word doctor to the Holy Cross College text line at 260-436-9598 or visit RedeemerRadio.com slash doctor. Abortion.
0: Phonography.
2: Embryonic stem cell research.
0: Corporate contributions to Planned Parenthood. Do you invest in companies that are engaged in these practices? The Ave Maria Mutual Funds do not, and their investment portfolios reflect that. Ave Maria Mutual Funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors can invest in the no-load Ave Maria Mutual Funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria Mutual Funds today at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com.